again. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, and that's our desire. We desire a spirit to move, Lord. Lord, if it was only a man's spirit to move, it wouldn't benefit nothing. But Lord, if your spirit is moving, Lord, that, that spirit can heal. That spirit can deliver. That spirit can save. That spirit can do miracles in our life. That's all we desire to let the Holy Spirit move again amongst your people, Lord. Lord, just one more time, and maybe this is the last time for some people. Maybe this is the last time for everybody. Maybe this is the last time just before that our God coming down to take us home. Forevermore be with you, Lord. Lord, that's our desire. That's our heart desire. Lord, we ask you, your spirit to move in amongst us, Lord. Fill your people, Lord, and meet the need. Lord, that's the pure heart from the bottom of, bottom of my heart. Lord, that's my desire. Lord, I believe it as every one of us a desire here to see God come on the scene. Lord, to speak to our heart again. Lord, we thank you. Lord, give us this little time on Wednesday so that we can know that, Lord, that you do care about the need of your people. You call us together. Lord, let each person sit on their pew. Sit on their seat there. Maybe there's a, we don't know what is the need of the hearts of the people, but Lord, you do know. So Lord, they're coming not to see a man. They're coming to see God. So Lord, we commit ourselves into your hand. Ask the Lord to move again and speak to our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's turn to uh, Scripture. Into First Peter, chapter five. It's so good to be back to the house of God again. That I trust the Lord will use us a little time and uh, quieten us down. I think the mainly is to quieten myself down, so that He can use this vessel can speak to you again. Uh, if you know, if you have the desire for the Lord, I'm sure the Lord will meet our desire and never let us down. He never disappointed us. Every time when we come to meet Him, and every time He come to speak to us. So let's turn to First um, Peter chapter five, verse. Uh, let's read from verse six and seven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hands of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Let's turn to uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known Unto God, I think what a wonderful scripture it is. If it's just for uh, uh, we're commonly we're speaking, be careful for nothing. That means you don't you don't have to be afraid of anything. <laughs> you know this uh, this uh, this stage we need to be careful about uh, things that we say, uh, things that we do. Uh, but so the Lord said, be careful for nothing. You know why? Because He's on your side. You don't have to be uh, afraid of uh, what the devil try to put in front of you. You don't, uh, you don't have to be afraid of uh, what is the other people saying, what is the devil try to use, the tools, or whatever that is. The Lord said, be careful for nothing. 
That shows, uh, it doesn't show us about the ignorance, but it shows the boldness. That whatever that we put in the hands of God, as long as God is taking care of His own children, we don't have to be careful for nothing. No matter what devil tries to do, he cannot take his children out of the hands of God. May the Lord bless His word. You may be seated. It was just a very, very simple subject tonight. Uh, I don't want to give it a title. Uh, he cares for you. Um, we wanted the word of God to become a personal to us. He cares for him. He cares for her. But I wanted God to care for me. I think that every one of us, we can see that the Lord, I know you care. Uh, I know you care for people. I know you care for even the little thing. But Lord, I want that care to be upon myself too. And so when God become a personal, that is the God to become a reality to you. If the God is just the other people's God, if the, we can uh, share the testimony, we can hear the people's testimony, this person got healed, that person, Lord, to meet uh, his need or her need. But uh, that is uh, their gospel. I wanted the gospel to become a personal gospel to myself. I wanted that God had a skin on, that I can feel. That I wanted that God, they can speak directly to me, can speak personally to me. That is the God that we're believing, and that's the God that we're worshiping. And um, for um, uh, talking about the uh, care, the First Peter 5, 7, it said, Casting all your cares upon Him. So care, that means uh, anxiety. That means care. And uh, coming from the word means uh, divide, distribute, deal, be different between, give part, to divide or separate into parts, to cut into pieces, to divide it into parties, to be split into factions. And it's talking about, uh, it's just through the idea of distraction. When you are care about a certain things, uh, if you're not, uh, be careful, if you're not the care to the right thing, you become distracted. So that's what is the care means. It doesn't mean that you'll be totally consumed that this person, uh, was, uh, you know, cannot functioning, but it means this person was distracted. If the Lord gave you the, the certain direction, if we're not be careful, then we'll be distracted. You're still, uh, going to church, you're still believing but when you are distracted, you cannot be fruitful. So you find out in this age, uh, people have a, a lot of things to care about. And we have to, a lot of things that we have to be uh, taken care of. We have the bill we have to pay. We have the family we have to raise up. We have the church uh, we need to go. We have the, this project. We have, we have uh, so many things that it were, uh, has to um, uh, be cared of. But you see, in this, uh, in this, uh, especially in this, uh, Laodicean church age, people only cared about the things of themselves. They're not cared about things what God has cared about. You know, the people's care the things that were so different from what God cared about. And they think that what God cared about is the things that is foolish. There's uh, nothing, uh, that's uh, beneficial to the people in this hour. But what God required that the bride of Jesus Christ, they have only one care that they need to be cared of. That is what is the God cared about. I know that we have a life to go through. We have a, a family, we have to raise it up. 
But God doesn't ask us to live on this earth. He asks us to live where He prepared a house for us. That is the rapture. And then what He cared should be the first priority or the most important things that are in our life. When we cared about what God cared, all the rest of the things will fall into place. But if we don't care about what God is care, when we say that you cared about God's care, that means you give us enough um, a priority for what God care. If you put the God care in the first priority, in the most important place, you'll find out all the rest of the things will fall into place. Then in Deuteronomy, in chapter 11, uh, you don't have to turn, I'll just read it for you. When God said uh, to the Israelite, I'll give you the land, He said, for the land whither thou... Uh, he said, oh, and ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed. A land that flows with milk and honey. He said, for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out. Where thou sowedest thy seed and the waters it was thy foot as the garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hill and valleys, and the drinkest water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. This is the land that the Lord cares about. This is the land that the Lord gave to the, uh, the children of Israelites. But you find out when the people to get into the land, of the, uh, the land that the Lord provided to them. And they're not care what God has care. God cares about this land. He said, my eyes is going from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. That means he was searching for it. He was seeking for it. All his attention is in that land. But when the people get into the land of the God, they become relaxed, they become dilatory. And then when the enemies start to coming in, and they've been driven out. They're living under the privilege of what is the Lord to give it to them. And you think about how the Lord cared about the land and that He gave it to the Israelites. Even until today, the God still cared about the land and He gave it to them. He doesn't want them to give it, a, give it in an inch. If the natural Israelites are today, they don't want to give in an inch of their land. How much more the bride of Jesus Christ, which is spiritual Jews, they should, should not have given in one inch of the land that the Lord gave it to us. Why? Because God said, my eyes, I cared about this land. This is the land that the flow is milk and honey. This is the land I give it to you. This is the promise of God that I give it to you. I laid everything that in the word of God and I revealed it in the last age. And I sent the prophet to this age. I gave myself a whole self. I vindicated what he said to be the truth. God cared about his own land. He doesn't want anybody to compromise on the land he gave it to us. No matter what comes, what goes, this is the land that God cared about. If that's the land that God cared about, that is the land that I cared about. That's the land that the bride of Jesus Christ cared about. The man doesn't care about what God cared. And the, you know, when the people that are living long enough, if the people not be careful... That's why we have to be constantly on guard. Not on guard, um, you know, to try to just protect my family, this and that. But be on guard, Lord, we don't, we don't compromise on the Word of God. 
We'll be on guard of whatever, Lord, you ask us to do. And we give out a whole heart to do it. And if we're not be careful that in this last age, the devil was gradually to come in and try to chisel away uh, what is the parts, what is the promise the Lord has to give it to us. So chisel it away, the privilege that the Lord has to give it to us. And in Matthew chapter 13, 22, it said, um, talk, uh, Jesus used the parable of sowing the seed. He said, he also that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he become unfruitful. It doesn't say that this person is gone, is dead, but this person become unfruitful. When God gives us a life, He is not intending for us just to live a life. The Jesus said, I give you life, and I'll give you life abundantly. That is the, what is the desire of the people that in this last age. It's not to just live a life in this age, live a denominational life, but we want the life be abundantly. And He said that these people who receive the word, but then the care of this world, and the deceitfulness and riches, and the choke, the word, and then this person become unfruitful. The care of this world, you find out that we, everyone, we have a care of this world. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how good you are, no matter how strong you are, you will have the care of this world. Because we're a human being. You have to go to work, you have to get up earlier, you have to work hard, and when you work up, you become tired. When you become tired, and that is the devil started coming in. When you become a word out, you don't have the time for the Lord. You don't have time to read a message. Then the devil started coming in. Even your desire is right. Even your intention is right. Even everything that in your heart, I want to do good for the Lord. But you find out that the care of the world becomes so heavy, it drags you down. And then if that is not so the hardship of life drag you down. It's the deceitfulness of riches drag you down. The rich is a deceitful. How many millionaires here? Don't raise your hand. I would say probably many of you are millionaires. Because all your houses become over one million dollars. Most of the houses in Vancouver is over one million. Is that right, Brother Darren? <laughs> a lot of people here, you're a millionaire. But what that million to do to you? It's just a number. Even a condo is about a half a million dollars. Who think about that? You said, I'm a millionaire. I'm rich. If you sell your house, you probably cannot get a coal shed. You become homeless in Vancouver Street. The deceitfulness of riches. If the people are only thinking about that, if their whole being was put upon their, you know, the, then the, the richest, the deceitful, the richest would choke the person, would choke the word, so the word cannot take effect that in that person. It's the deceitfulness of a riches. A dollar used to be, can buy a whole lot of things, but a dollar... You put it, you, you live on the street, probably nobody want to pick it up. And it used to be a thousand dollars is a lot of, a lot of money. But now a thousand dollars, probably a few mils is, is gone. 
And you pay our insurance. That costs you about $2,000. I'm talking about the Canadians. We're poor Canadians. And then you have to pay a property tax and all of that. You think your salaries is growing? I earn about it. You said, oh, I, I earn about $5,000, $6,000. It doesn't mean nothing. The deceitfulness of a riches. And you think you're rich. You think you're getting a good job. You get a good pay. It's just on the devil's treadmill. There's nothing certain on this earth. You see, that's the trick of the devil. No matter you live in the poor life or you live in the rich life, you're on the treadmill of Satan. And he tried to use all of that that become a care of this world so that will drag you down. When you drag you down, you become distracted. Or you, you become a disarrayed. Is that a word? You become confused. You don't know what to do. You lost your direction. You lost your goal. You're thinking before you're fervent, but now you're dragging your feet just to try to make a living. That's the deceitfulness of Satan. And in the Luke, Gospel Luke, chapter 10, 41, and Jesus, and uh, when Ma- Mar- Martha was saw that um, and he was so busy with the daily living. I think about a Martha doing a busy li- doing a busy service for Jesus. Martha doesn't serve the world. Martha served Jesus. Martha busy for a right cause, but in the wrong season. When that time when Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to that word, but at the same time Martha was busy with all kinds of things. She served Jesus. She's not served devil. She's serving for the right cause. But in the right time, you must do the right thing. When a message becomes urgent, when a message is coming to the last lap, you must do the right thing. Your time must be spending on the right thing. Your everything, your talent must be spending on the right thing. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary did the right thing in the right time. Those seems like she's not doing the right thing to Martha. But for Jesus, that is the time that she want, he wants to, Mary to sitting before the feet of Jesus Christ, to listening to the word, to that word of washing her. And that's what we need to do that in this season. Faith come by hearing, hearing the word of a God. It's not that you're lazy. It's not that you're dilatory. We are. We have a bill to pay. We have things we have to care about. We have a family we have to raise. But when we come into the last run, when we come to the last lap of this race, let us put our time, put our energy, put our everything on the only worthy thing, only thing that's have an eternal value on it. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you quit your job. You know, you sell your house and uh, just uh, sitting at the church while you're sitting here, there's nobody preaching. 
Well, it's not just so you're, you know, I'm just listening to you in a message. You do whatever you need to do, but don't let the care of the world to choke you. And only the word of this hour can make us a vision clear. Only the word of this hour that shows how careful that God is to His own children. Only the word of this hour can straighten your mind, let you careful to the right thing and not careful to the wrong thing. And sometimes the things that they went through, went through in our life, it come to the point, sometimes we wonder, does God really care or not? We look at this world, you saw that the evil people used to be, people want to be a good people. But nowadays, people don't want to be a good people. Because of the good people, oh, good people have a disadvantage. The good people doesn't have a good result. But the evil people, seems like they always prosper. To live a straightforward life is not an easy thing in this earth, in this age. The politic is corrupt. The law on this land is not to let you to do good people. The law on this land actually training you to be a bad people. The law on this land said if you're a normal person, you are not normal. The law on this land if you don't follow uh, political correct, you are literally evil. That is what is this earth training people to do. If you cared about what is the world's directions go, you're not cared about what is the word of God said. And sometimes we we're maybe questioning. Does the Lord really care about when the earth and when the world become so evil? Let me watch my time. Last time, Brother Michael did a super job. I want to break that record. <laughs> and the pe- in the, on this earth, and you find out the people become a, evil or um, more, more evil than, than they used to be. And the people become uh, more cold than it used to be. If you just follow along the stream, just follow along the, the flow of the people, people won't say bad about you. Even spiritually, even talking about uh, in the Christian world, it's the same thing. A, um, a fervent believer is not acceptable in the Christian world. A believer that's full of zeal considered a cult. It, it, you go to, uh, sometimes I, you know, I go to China, I look at it, you go to the different churches, and you find out that thing even coming into the message room. When you pray, when you become loud, they're thinking, no, no, you know, uh, what, you, what you're shouting about? You know, what you're screaming about? I'm not deaf, I can hear you. When you start quoting the message, quoting the message, people start thinking, why can't you just quote more Bible? Did I say something wrong? 
Instead of, we need an uplifting Bible. We're, we're, you know, message is good, but it quote me more Bible. We want Jesus. We want Jesus. I am quoting you, Jesus. Let's burn it down to our life. Sometimes when we pray, we pray, and we pray, it seems like the prayer never got an answer. And we wonder, does God really care? Sometimes our family go into, in the, in the low ebb, into the problem. And you find out your children come to a certain age. You used to be their cute, they're lovely. They're sitting on your lap, they're talking to you. They become a further away and a further away from you. They become a more like a stranger to you. You try to warm up the atmosphere. You try to, you pray and you do all you can. You vacation here, you vacation there. You try to bring a good atmosphere around them. It seems like they're just going further away and further away. You wonder, does God really care? Sometimes you've prayed for your children. You have the dress code in your family. Daughter, you wear this. Daughter, you wear that. Son, you be like a young man. Don't like to be a sissy boy. But the more you say about it, it seems like the further away they're getting. The more you say about it, it seems like more rebellious they become like that. You wonder, does God really care? I don't care how quiet you are, I'm going to preach this. As a believer, sometimes we do wonder, does God really care? Or I should say, God, when are you going to come on the scene? I've been waiting so long, I'm waiting for inspiration coming down like what you struck Job. Lord, when are you going to do something? And we prayed a year after year, it seems like nothing turning better. It seems like it's just turning worse. And you look at some believer that you t- they took the road to you know it is absolutely going to go wrong and heading for disaster. You prayed, you, consult, you consulted, you ministered, you cried it out, but it just seemed like They've waded into the deep muck just deeper and deeper. Then you wonder, does God really care? And then what we saw, if God does care, when He didn't reach out His hand and to stop or to save or to deliver. This is the, on the negative side. But sometimes you find out certain things that you know is the will of the Lord. You're absolutely sure that is the will of the Lord to do certain things. And it will become a great blessing if that could be done. But you saw Satan blocks the road, stop the blessing, and it seems like we just can't do anything about it. Have you experienced that? 
You know that's the will of the Lord. You know if this, this certain thing has happened, it's the blessing of the Lord going to come to our family, come to the church, come to the, the things of the mission works or whatever that it would be. But it seems like you pray, you pray. It seems like the Satan just standing there without moving. You pray, you can't cast him out. You shout, you cry, you fast, you do everything that you can. But it seems like the devil just don't move. And you uh, search yourself. You say, Lord, is there anything wrong that in my life? You turn over every stone. And you try to find the Lord, what is it? Why is that that? You waited, you waited for the inspiration to strike like what he did to Job. You waited for the thunderstorm and you waited for the flesh just cross and say, I know my Redeemer lives. Until God speaks, but it seems like God doesn't speak. And when this thing become a dragging along, getting longer and longer, you find out the believer become a weaker and weaker. And while they're waiting, then they become uh, confused. Then they become a disarray. The Lord, is this really the will of the Lord? Lord, why nothing happens in what I prayed? In? You know, maybe in your family, in your relationship, and this and that, and all kinds of things that has happened. While you're waiting, while you're patiently waiting, you'll find out the stamina starts to getting low. The endurance starts to getting low. And then people getting confused. The Lord, is this really the will of the Lord? Brother Abraham said that Satan is very subtle. He said, see... And he does it so easy, so subtle, just a little tiny bit here, a little there, and let it. He's got a plenty of time. So he just runs a little bit in here and a little bit in there. And the first thing you know, the people are just gradually moved into it, the temptation. If the Satan just began to cut off the skirts and to lower them down, and it will come to pass that there's a somebody with design one a little beyond the meek bikini or whatever you call the things to a fig lid. When devil do things, he doesn't do it as a, all of a sudden, it seems like the world changed. When he do, he always do things gradually. A little here, a little there. And then when he start to do that, if you're not be careful, then the people... Then uh, when it comes to, uh, they start going along, going along before you know it. And then they find out they have been compromised so much that they almost have no way to return back. And while this things is going along, you find out a believer become not as positive as they used to be. That's, uh, that's when they start to seeking for other helps. They started seeking for psychology. They started seeking for maybe some intellectual. Maybe instead of coming to the ministry or coming to the word of a God for themselves, they start to looking to the books that they shouldn't look. They started seeking for help that they shouldn't seeking for help from. Why? It's not because the backside is because they are not a positive anymore. 
They used to be very positive that a message of this hour is absolutely the truth. Whatever I need is absolutely in this message. Though I didn't get it now, but I will get it someday. Because the word will never lie. God never lied in my life. They used to be very positive. But as the time goes on, as the carrot of the world started choking them away, they become less positive than ever. They're not totally gone yet. It's just they become a disarray. Brother Ram said, he cares, do you care? He said, and now we find all those things is because people are trying to find comfort. They're trying to find something. And that, and remember, your comfort is your religion. And you make those things your religion. When people start to finding comfort, not in the message, not finding comfort of this message. Anything beyond this message is your false religion. Though that will give you comfort for a little while, but it will drag you down to the trap of Satan. Your comfort can only come from the Word of God in this hour. Because your comfort is your religion. And then people started making those things become a religion. Then education become a religion. Then reputation become a religion. Your friendship become a religion. Your relationship become a religion. All of those things has no problem if they are not become your comfort, if they are not become your religion. As long as your religion is the word of God in this hour, you have a right, pure religion. But when anything beyond that, you take that as a comfort, when that becomes a religion to you, that is the hell that Satan brings on to you. Your religion or your comfort can only come from one source, that is Christ himself. His life is your comfort. His life is your true religion. Brother Brahma said, he said, even to our confessions, now I want you people that are coming, he said, I want you to listen close now for a moment for this quotation. He said, unless you are deeply sincere, and you cannot be sincere until you are positive, understand. If you are presuming or, que- or guessing or hoping so, then there cannot be a depth of sincerity that God requires. A true sincerity come, to, come from a positive understanding. It's not understanding intellectually. But it's the God revealed to you. And that can only coming from the Word of God. There was one day, there was one time I was, uh, a brother shared share with me in China about his testimony. He said one time he was went through so many things. He doesn't know what he should do. And he uh, lost his mom and uh, the church, uh, they're, they're uh, uh, falling apart. And uh, the, the people... Uh, some deny the message and some uh, just uh, uh, j- almost like a curse him. And, and he went through uh, so many things. Then he become a waker and waker and waker. 
He still said he believed the message. But I can see that from it he lost his spark. He lost his zeal. He lost his passion. Just go to work. Come to church. You know, this and that. And, and still, still reading the message. But the message doesn't have any beneficial for him anymore. It doesn't take effect for him anymore. And I feel the burden for, for this brother. And one day, I give him a call. And he was, a still, he was a driving. And now on the, in the car, then he parked his car aside. And we were talking. The conversation is really, um, I don't have the right word, just, just dragging. If you understand what that means. And, I'm, you, know, it's, you know, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. You know what you're doing for the recent... Oh, I, I just go here and there. You know, how's your, your church? Oh, church is all right. You know, just, just normal talk. And then finally, we fall in silence. Then I'll pray and say, Lord, what should I say to this, brother? It seems like at that time, you just have nothing to say. You start to wonder, Lord... If you do care about him, Lord, I care about him now. Then I said to the brother, I said, uh, I said to a certain brother, I said, I don't have a nothing, I don't have anything that I can say, maybe help you. But I said, one thing I'll say to you that helped me. When I come to the bottom pit, bottomless pit, when I come to the point, it seems like uh, just um, to the... Oh, I wish I had the word. I've just come to the bottom. You know, you just, just can't go any longer. I said, I went through that too. I said, when I went through that, I said, one thing I know for sure, this message is absolutely the truth. It's nothing but the truth. I might not be able to live it. I might not be able to manifest it. But I know that's absolutely the truth. It's nothing but the truth. Amen. I said, then I, I, I shared him, I said, what did it to myself? I said, I went back home and read the message again. And I read it with a prayer. I said, Lord, I know you care, but Lord, I want you to care about me. This is the time I need you, Lord. And I said to that brother, I said, brother, I said, I would recommend you go back to read the message again. Read with a pure heart. I know that you cannot, when you read it, it's even probably getting harder and harder even for you to reading it. But I said, as long as you give it to the Word, because the faith comes from hearing. Hearing the Word of God. It's not coming from a theology. It's not coming from a psychology. It doesn't come just that you talk to this or talk to that, give me some comfort, give me some consolation. It doesn't come from that. It comes from purely from the Word of God, from Jesus Christ Himself. Nothing else will that come from. That comfort can only come from Him. Amen. And the, just the last year, just a few months ago actually, this year, when we get there again, then He shared His testimony. He said, Brother Murphy, He said, I take that to the heart. He said, I was so discouraged. I was so, I don't even know what to do. He said, actually, in that point, I'm almost want to give it up. I didn't say to anybody. But he said, when I hear you said, go back to read that message again. He said, I, something just dropped in there. 
And he said, I'm going back to read that again. Lord, my eyes may be filmed with all the distractions, but Lord, you can add that word of a God to clear that vision again. And then that a year will go, that one year, two years, three years, few years later, that brother becoming a minister of this gospel and holding the servant is still preaching the word with a full of passion and with a full of zeal. What is that? That word of this hour has his whole life. That's why I love it. That's why I give my life to it. That's why the pride of Jesus Christ give their life to it. Why? Because the message has its life in itself. That shows God care about His own people. Brother Bram said, he said, faith is not a hope so. Or it could be right. It got to be absolutely amen. It's your ultimate. It's your absolute. It's the thing that you are tied to. Let me give you some advice. You have a marriage problem? Husband, go back to read your message. Wife, go back to read your message. Set a time without your husband, no. Set a time without your wife, no. Go into the prayer class and meet God by personally. You will see God will change the situation. Your love won't bring them back. Your anything else won't bring them back. But it's the word of a God who will bring them back. You have a family issue? You have your children have a problem? Let's daddy do the same thing. Let mommy do the same thing. To meet God personally. You watch God coming down to save their children. No matter how wayward they are. No matter how backsided they are. No matter how rebellious they are. When mom and dad are coming to their position. God will come in position and bring them back to the fold. God has to put us back to a position that we restore, reestablish the absolute again in our life. We might be saying it. We might be believing it. But it must be a personal experience. When you have that, no matter what happens, nothing going to drive you away from that. He said, you have come to your ultimate. It is the truth. It's nothing but the truth. And it must be thus. And then when you realize that's in your mind, then you got to approach it with your whole life, soul, body, all that is in you. Just completely sell out everything to it. As Jesus so graciously taught us in men buying pearls, and it finds that one of a great price, and he sold all his outer to get it. All the truth and everything that he had, though they were good pearl, this one means all to him. Go back to what I said in the beginning. You need to pay a bill. You need your life to live. You need your family to go to do this and that. Everything that is absolutely needed. That is perfectly fine, perfectly right. But this one 
means all to you. If this one means all to you, all the rest of them is not a problem anymore. And when you find God's ultimate, His word, a promise upon a certain thing, you must know first that it is God's word. That the thing that you are seeing being done is God. There's no maybe so, it could be, it looks like it might be, it is God. Then when you get to that spot, then that's the pearl of a great price. You must get away from anything that anybody else tells you contrary to it. He said, everything that you was, everything that you hope to be, must be placed upon this just as though it was death and life to you at that moment. He said that the people making their confession has got to come with deepness of sincerity. Then he talked about one occasion. He said that a man had a great affliction while he was praying in one of the service. And he was a held it he was a healed this night standing there. And before we left the five days, the affliction was back to him again. Because in the presence of the Holy Spirit, it took that off of him. Just like it did to this young woman and a while ago here in the yard. The young man last night, see, but there must be a deep sincerity. To know that the God that can take it away from you now, with that same anointing on you, can keep it away from you. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me one morning about daylight. said, get up on the platform or somewhere and bring these people up there and make them confess everything that they did before you pray for them. See? The deepness of sincerity. You say, how deep that sincerity I should have? I don't know. But I know the result of it. If a person that had come to the deep sincerity, something changed in their life. Brother Bram said, he said, you take a person, says they are, I am. I'm a believer. I believe. Let a gospel light struck them, strike them, brother. They take it right now. And they will show results. Certainly, you will not see that man in any poor room anymore. You will not see him out here with a cigarette in his hand. You won't see him drinking. Oh, no. You won't see him flirting with other women. No, no, no. I don't care how much they know. I don't care how much they throw their female flesh before him. He will turn his head toward the sky and look toward Christ. What is it? It shows that a remedy take effect. He said, you might have been all sincere in doing it, but you didn't do it. For if you did, God promised it would take effect on you. And the old sin is still there. The old Adam nature still linger. The old unbelief. That shows that people is not a deep sincere. If they deep sincerely, if they have the, if they have the true sincerity in, it in them, then God's remedy will take an effect on them. Then their life will be changed. Their nature will be changed. 
If we're sincere with the word of God, if the situation doesn't change, we need to check our sincerity again. Lord, whatever your word has said, Lord, let me turn over every stone that is in my life. Why the things that doesn't happen? Lord, if you need me to have a patience, Lord, I will have a patience. But Lord, I need an answer. I don't take 20 years for an answer. I don't take 30 years for an answer. Lord, I want to know now what is your answer of this situation. And Brother Bram said, he cares. Do you care? He said, he care enough. He care enough to conquer every enemy for you. That all you have to do is to be sincere and to believe it. He conquered death. Death in nothing for me to conquer. It's already conquered. Sickness in for me to conquer. It in for Christ to conquer. It's already conquered. I just have to care enough to believe it. Are you afraid of what somebody else has told you? Are you afraid of the doctor's diagnosis? Are you afraid of what a church will say to you? Are you afraid to stand there toe to toe to devil say, I have confessed my sins. I've laid aside everything. I believe every word. Here I am, Lord, created in me a care. You care for me, I care for you. If God so cared about our situation and sent His word to us, how much more we should have cared about what His word has said. If His word has said that by His stripes you are healed, that I care for, if He cares for me, send His word to me, then I cared about what He said. I said, Lord, you healed me already. I have heard, but now I see. Brother Bram said, but you see, he wants to show his God over everything. Whether it's a small, whether it's a big, whatever it is, it's still God over all things, all the creation. He cared about Job. Though Job went through such a tragedy in his life, but Job had a perfect revelation. He just needed the Lord to inspire him. Job knows exactly what is the word of God has said. Ask him to put uh, the sacrifice on. That's what exactly what he did. When he did that, his whole face was to build on the sacrifice, the burnt offering that he made. If you, if we have gone through something that in our life, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what's the difficulties, the trials that we're going through, but as long as that sacrifice, that burnt offering, that word of God in this hour, that we believe with the whole heart, this lamb that was taken care of everything that is in your life. When the blind Bartimaeus, when he was a blind, Brother Bram told a story. He said, uh, and he promised the, promise the Lord, when, if the Lord healed his daughter, that he will sacrifice that little lamb that for the Lord. That little lamb is his eye. It was just like uh, the dog in this day. They take dog as a... Let me read this here. They take the dog as a... Uh, for the blind people. But he promised God, Lord, if you heal my daughter, he said, I will sacrifice my uh, uh, little lamb that has a sacrifice. And then the Lord healed her. And then he go take his little lamb. 
he go for the sacrifice. And then uh, he went up and offered his lamb. Come back someone leading him around. So he said then when he come back, he said, blind Bartimaeus. He said, you can't do that. The priest said that went to take his lamb. He said, you can't take this. You can't sacrifice this lamb. Said blind Bartimaeus, do you know that lamb is your eyes? He said, Yes, I know that. But I promised God, and God will provide a lamb for blind Bartimaeus' eyes. Then the priest even said, Okay, take this lamb. But he said, No. He said, I promised God I'll sacrifice this lamb. It's not any lamb, but this lamb. If I don't if I put this lamb up, God will provi- provide a Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. A lamb for his eye. Then I'm thinking about how many lambs are that we have. Sometimes we take the leadership instead of let the word take the leadership. We let our we let we let our feeling to take our leadership, and we use our feelings, we use our intellectuals, we use our own abilities and all kinds of things as a lamb as a lamb before the blind eye. But Lord wants us to say to sacrifice every one of that. If you sacrifice every one of us, I will give you the real lamb to take the leadership that in your life. We needed a real lamb to take the leadership of our life. Not anybody else's anybody else's consolation, anybody else's advice, but we needed the lamb of this hour that take the leadership and give it a set of eyes. But God do care. He cared about a Job. When Job is in such a tragedy that he don't know what to do. And he was a one through to such a difficulty that even his own wife told him, said, why don't you just go die? Just uh, deny God and go die. But Job said, you speak like a foolish woman. Why? Because Job has met God. Something happened to Job. That God revealed himself to him. And Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And I know though this skin worm destroy me, I was still going to see him, see God that in my flesh. I think what a revelation that this man had. Going through all kinds of things that in his life, but nothing going to move him away from the burnt offering, the sacrifice that he had. I was thinking about the situation that in them, maybe in your life, I don't know what situation you went through. But you believe the word. You have this lamb. You have this sacrifice as it made it for you. You receive this word that in this hour. If God cared about you, he also cared about you. No matter what situation that you went through. When you said, Lord, you do that same thing to blind Bartimaeus. I don't want anything else as leading me. Maybe something is so treasured, so precious for me. But Lord, I put that in front of you. I let the word of God to lead me in this hour. If we believe that God is taking care of the small things, you know, the people, they said, does God care about what I dress? God do care about what you dress. Does God care about what I wear? Yes, He does. He's a God to look into to every small things. I think it's Brother Tim was speaking about uh, 
uh, also the, uh, the dress and the, the high heel shoes and the things about, you know, sometimes we're thinking, well, we've been uh, in a message for 20 some years. Uh, are we still doing, the, doing that? Are we still talking about that? But do you know God has cared about everything? No matter if it's big or no matter if it's small. He's cared of over everything that is in our life. But let me say this. If God cared about how you dress, how high your heel is, how much more God cared about every minute thing that is in your life. How much more God cared about every minimum you think that's a small thing in my life. Lord, I don't want to bother you. Go bother him. He cared about the small things, how you dress. He will care about any small thing that is in your life. You might think that's a small, but it's not too small for him to ignore it. You might think, Lord, I don't want to take this before you, but that things are not small before God. Everything in God, he said, I cared about you. If I cared about your dress code, I also cared about every corner of your life. I also cared about your children. I also cared about your wife. I cared about your husband. I cared about everything that is in your life. He cared about the little fish. That little fish. There's a billions and billions of fish. And that fish got, got, got a bite on the hook. And Mr. Wood, and the other person, I forgot his name, and he pulled a whole gill and everything out of the fish. And he threw that fish into the pond. You think that fish someday, maybe it was eaten by a duck. Even if he was resurrected, he was still going to be eaten by a duck. Still going to be eaten by some bird. But God said, I cared about only that fish. Maybe have a few days more of living. I still cared about that life. If I cared about that little fish, how much more I cared about your children who is going to have eternal life. He said, that gave us to know if he's interested to speak the word of a life. Think about it. Speak the word of life through a prophet into a little insignificant fish laying there dead on the water for half an hour. He can certainly someday speak life into his children. Hallelujah. That's the God I believe. That's the God that we know He cares about you. No matter what situation, how impossible that seems like, but He cares a little fish, He cares about you. You pray for your daughter, you pray for your son. This seems like they're going wayward and wayward. And your daughter's gone, your, brother, your, 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 your son this is gone. You say, Lord, what did I do wrong? You didn't do nothing wrong. But I want to show to you, I cared about that. Godly parents, godly father, godly mother, didn't see their children sitting on the pew. But God will say to you, I do care. He's God 
who's interested in everything. All that we do, all that we say, everything is interested. In Second Chronicle 14, 11, And Asah cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. Whether with many or with them that have no power. Oh, help us, O Lord, our God. For we reset, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, that no man prevail against thee. For God to help, no matter if it's with many or with the people that have no power. There's no small things too small for God to take in care. There's no big things too big that is incapable of doing it. How Job understand God cared him? He got a perfect revelation. He know that's the word of a God. He know he has done the every requirement that God asked him to do. Then Job is patiently waiting for God to come down, to make himself real to him. Job's patience bring down the care of God. Because he know God doing things in his season, in his time. That, I was think, that I'm thinking, how many testimonies that we have here that you show that God do care? How many years has Sister Marilyn has been praying for his son? How many years the grandpa has prayed for his grandchild? How many years have we been praying for, the, for him too? Year after year, it seems like going down to the river of no return. It seems like it is impossible. The devil dragging our brother down, 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 further down. But all of a sudden, that patience paid back. Does God care? He do care. Then I think about my own mom. I've been praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. And nothing happened. Finally, come to a point, I have to confess, I even gave up to pray for her. I'm thinking maybe she's not a bride. She maybe someday, you know, got saved and maybe one had gone or whatever it happens. Whatever happened and it has happened. But I do not take that for answer. God doesn't like that. Whatever happened, it happened. God doesn't like that. That's not the way God doing things. He doesn't want us to lose our passion. He doesn't want us to lose our zeal. So for the lost soul. Then when I see my mom is getting, the house is getting, getting lower and lower, I said, Lord, you must do something. Lord, you cannot just let her go like this. Then I started getting to the dead person and I pray. And then you know what? The Lord come on the scene. And just a few years ago that she gave her heart to the Lord. And the other day, just a few days ago, and I called my mom. I go, to mom, how are you doing? I phoned, phoned, ring, 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 nobody answered. And finally she answered, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, I was just listening to a certain message. He said, I didn't hear your call. 
He said, honey, that is a marvelous message. I've, said, I've been listening to that probably ten some times. He said, this time I listen, I feel like I never listened to before. I said, mom, I have a rest for that. Why? Because she gave herself to the word. I can't keep her. You can't keep her. I can preach enough to keep her. But the word of God has the power to keep her. Does God care? He does care. Now I will look at it, Brother Eunice. Sister Hopi. That's just another long ago. I saw Sister Hopi come in front and I pray. And different people come in and they pray for Eunice. I was even sitting there upstairs. I was doing the translation. I said, Lord, do you really care for that young girl? Just fall in love with the young man. And then that, that young man got a leukemia. What are you going to do, Lord? And we're thinking about our mental faculties. Started going here, to going there. So thinking this and that. I say, God, do you really care? And now we saw the evidence. God do care. Now I think about Sister Francine. That's another leukemia. God heal her once, God heal her twice. Do we know that God really care? How many more we want to know? I'll think about the Adamora family. Brother Victor, Brother David, you're upholding yourself. I pride before the Lord, praying for her. Brother Victor and Senior, Sister Victoria. And I want to look at the situation. Sometimes we wonder, does God really care? The things that they're going through, the soul of their children is wayward. But does God really care? And then when you hold on to the word of God, no matter what anybody else, what they said, what situation, how impossible that is, but God says that you, I do care about every situation, no matter if it's small or no matter if it's big. With many or with less power, but I can all help. He does care. Then I think about my mother-in-law. Just about two years ago, Brother Tim was a priest that in, the, in our summer camp there. My mother-in-law went through the vertical. I don't even know that word until later on I find it out. And Brother Tim was saying that he preached about in the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. And he said in the name of Jesus, cancer has to bow. In the name of Jesus, his name that the TV has to bow. And is it in the name of Jesus that the vertical has to bow? I don't even know that word until then. I have to flip my phone for what is the vertical? And then I find out a vertical. That's exactly what my mom went through. That same night, she cannot go attending for the service. But does God care? God does care. He sent a man coming from a thousand miles away to preach a service, to preach against the cancer, the TB, and this and that. We think that's a huge disease. What about a vertigo? Come on, just eat a pill. You'll get over it. But he sent a preacher there. He wants to show to you, I do care. He cared about every situation that we went through. Let a musician come.
have a situation? I'm sure you do. Do you have things that you've prayed year after year, month after month? The devil has to blow your face many times. The devil has to come in front of you and try to accuse you. Do this and that many times. But I only want you to know, God do care. He might not act right away, but God do care. No matter what situation that you're in, no matter what, how many times you've been prayed, you've been prayed, no matter how many times you cannot even tell anybody else, you have to just go into the closet and come close to the door and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I know you do care. You've been caring for so many people. You've been caring for, for this and that. I've been naming it. You've been naming it this person, that person. I know you care, Lord. And Lord, I want that care that come upon me. Shall we stand? Can we do something special today? If you don't mind, I want you to just lay hands on, on the person that is beside you and bow your head. Whatever situation that you're in, I want our brother Tom, if you can. Brother Tom, would you just pray the Lord a prayer to our to all the congregation, whatever situation that you're in, no matter what you went through, I know Brother Tom is the man of faith. Instead of a prayer for each individual, you hold that into your heart. And if you don't have it, you pray for the, ne- the one that is next to you. The Brother Tom to pray, I believe God is going to do something special for each person that is here. No matter what situation that you are in, our God, He cares. Brother Tom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name this evening, Lord. We lift up our hearts before the throne of grace this evening. We have heard the word of God, Lord, proclaimed in its purity. And we receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord God, that as the brothers and sisters are laying hands on one another, you're the great omnipotent God. You're the almighty one. You're the one that sees every knee. You see that sparrow before it falls from the sky. You know the numbers of the hairs of our head. Lord God, I pray for every need that's represented here. Lord, whether it be in the balcony, whether it be down in the lower assembly, I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit Spirit will anoint each one to receive by faith the word of life. I receive it in the name of Jesus. You do indeed care for us because you sent a word this evening, Lord, that found a place within our hearts. Lord, bless each believer, bless each sister, every brother. Let them claim, Lord, the word of life. By your stripes, I am healed. I claim my children in the name of the Lord Jesus. I claim my mommy, my daddy, my brothers, my sisters. Lord, in this presence that's here, will you anoint each heart of faith that believes for the impossible. 
Lord, that little fish was dead for over an hour. But then the word of God came. Little fishy, I give you your life. The word of life has come to us in this generation. Little bride, I give you life and life eternal. Let that life, Lord, well up within every soul. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we can lift up our hands in rejoicing. No different than Sister Francine when she received the word of life. To her, she claimed it. She believed it. And you healed her. May we have that same faith tonight, Lord. We've heard the word, not of man, but we've heard the word of life. Lord, we receive it in Jesus' name. Whether it be my backslidden son or backslidden daughter, I claim them in the name of Jesus. Lord, if you could take a fish and bring it back to life, you can... Raise up our children as the prophet said. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we take you at your promise. We love you for it. And we lift up our hands and we lift up our hearts. Lord, for those that desire a greater baptism of the Holy Ghost. For a deeper consecration. Lord, a deeper sincerity of soul. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't moved in their lives. And Lord, tonight something awakened in their hearts. But like that prodigal son, he awoke and then he arose. May we arise tonight, Lord. Lift up our hearts and our voices to you. Lord, you've picked our hearts deeply. We don't want to be the way we were before we came into the service. We want to be more sincere. Deeply sincere. Let those things go that have hindered us, Lord. We let them go for the glory of God. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We've asked, Lord, and now we receive it in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to water that seed of faith. We want to claim it in Jesus' name. We bind the enemy. We bind the devil. We claim the promise. And it's yea and amen to them that believe. We indeed have the victory over that situation, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Maybe we can sing that. Bless your name.
of our hearts at the closing of the service. And we could just bless His holy name. We could open our lips actually and praise the living God. A God that has come down in this generation to deal, speak, deliver, and change the people. We give Him all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise His holy name. He's worthy of all praise. He dwells amongst the praise of His people. We might as well praise Him if God is dwelling amongst us this evening. Don't miss it, saints. He's passing by my way. Pass by my way, Lord. Let me touch the hem of your garment, Father. I've been in prison in my mind too long. I need those chains to fall. I need that liberty call to come. Hallelujah. Does He care? He indeed cares for you tonight. He cares for every situation. We would be here all evening and tomorrow and tomorrow evening if we just went down to individual, individual and we could testify of His goodness and how much He cares for us. But you know, saints of God, you've got, you're in a prison. Some people are in a prison in their mind because they think their situation's impossible. But they don't realize how great our God is. He's the God of the resurrection. He's the God of deliverance. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, shall, yet shall he live. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And that was a wonderful thing. But he said, I have power to lay my life down. And I have power to lay, raise it up again. And you think your situation is too great for God. You're still in prison. But open the door just to crack and let Jesus come in. 
the cloud that's over you and the cloud that keeps you depressed and these clouds, saints of God. I say let the wind of the Holy Spirit tonight blow that cloud away. Hallelujah. I want to ask you a question and I would like you to respond to me. Does He care for you? You can say, yes, He cares for me. He indeed cares for me because we're standing here tonight. Where's Sister Fortune? Sister Fortune here? Sister Fortune, you back there? We might as well give the Lord a, a, a praise offering, shall we not, Sister Fortune? Can I say something? Can I say it? All right, I'm going to say it anyway. Brother Murphy said he's going to say it anyway. Sister Fortune, has, you know, you have these situations arise with immigration and so forth. And you try to manipulate and trying to do the best you can, and that's fine. But there comes a place where you've just got to let it go and put it in the hands of God. And though it look impossible, and the days are running out, but there's a God that knows the end of time. And she got a letter back from the immigration saying, you're invited for your permanent residence. He cares. Sister Fortune, He cares. Hallelujah. Today, we got this testimony. Today, Brother Murphy was giving some testimony. Oh, I want to praise Him tonight. What an opportunity in five minutes or ten minutes from now you might be out of here and, and it just changes the whole atmosphere. But it seems like the atmosphere right now is electrified. And God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could even ask or think on a Wednesday night. He comes in the most unexpected times. And people are looking at their watches and that's all they're going to get. But I'm looking to eternity. I'm looking to the unseen. I'm looking to the God that spoke to Sister Fortune. That God is my God. Raised up a fish. He raised Tom Ray up. He raised you up, Brother Darren, and you've been a great testimony around the world. He's not finished yet, saints. Don't you worry. We're still here. And we're here to trouble Satan's kingdom. Amen. He's troubled us long enough. But we know who we are in Christ. He cares for us. We can put the devil on the run. I, I remember Brother Murphy. Sorry for all going over the service because it meant so much to me. He's talking about Brother Tim Pruitt when he's starting to name it down. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And he just hit those different areas and said vertigo. In the name of Jesus. And the whole assembly arose out of their seats. Why? Because the glory of God came down in that tent. I want you to know that the glory of God is now in your tents. And He's here present now, saints of God, to do what you want Him to do. Don't hinder God by your unbelief. Just say, Lord, I believe. Help thou my believing. Amen. Don't go out defeated. And this was not a hope-so prayer that you prayed tonight. This is a no-so prayer. I know in whom I have believed, as Job said. I know Him in the power of His resurrection. Isn't He wonderful? Can we put the devil and let him know who we are? In the name of Jesus, demons will have.
have to flee. Can we sing that tonight? As a confession of who we are in Christ Jesus. In, in, the, name, in the name of Jesus. personal gospel so instead of saying we have the victory I want you to make it very personal tonight I have the victory in the name of Jesus one more time in the name of troop and leap over a wall. You know who's the only can do that? The bride. She's going to leap into another realm. She's going to find one of those steps, saints of God, lift her out of this terra firma into that everlasting prize. What a promise. And how miserable some people are. Because they don't have a clue what we're talking about. They look around the room and they see fanatical Tom and heretic John. Hey, in the way they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers. Amen. I'm proud to stand with these brothers that are here. I'm proud to stand with you. Now, who wants to go home? You do? Oh, <laughs> okay. 
Praise the Lord. You know, God can change your direction tonight. Huh? Just think about it. Just how do, how do, you, how do, you, how do you go from being miserable to happy? Just turn around. Just repent. Turn around. Say, God, I don't want what the devil's got. I want what God's got tonight. Glory. Yes. It's just about over. It's just about over. The insanity of humanity. I should preach on that title. It's gone crazy. People can't even think right. And as Brother Murphy said, the people that think right to the world were wrong. That's where insanity has come. Press the battle, saints. We're a people. She is His victory, the prophet said. We are His victory. Amen. Wonderful to be in the presence of God this evening. And I'm so thankful that God has called me to be able to drink from a fountain that's been opened up in the house of David in this hour. Not dead letter, but living word. And I'm thankful that it's alive and beating in my heart. And I, I claim those children of yours. I don't care what the situation is. When I was in China with Brother Murphy and I'd never met Sister Wong, I never, I've never met her at all. And I had the privilege of meeting her and, and uh, Brother Murphy's father. And I'll never forget, never forget the service. And we had a service and after service and the people were rejoicing. And it's just a spontaneous. And Brother Murphy's daddy stood up. And I said, Brother Murphy, your dad's standing up right at the pulpit like this. And the people are praising the Lord. And Brother Murphy wouldn't look. I said, Brother Murphy, look at daddy. Look at your dad. It's almost like it come to a position that this just is too good to be true. That's what it is. Just too good to be true. And it's just too good to be true that you will have your children. It's just too good to be true, Sister Elizabeth. We've seen too much. We've seen a Michael come. We've seen Daniel come. Does he care? Yes, he does. We can go around the room rejoicing. Does he care? He indeed does. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father wonderful to be in your presence tonight just seems Lord it's glory cloud is amongst the people the presence of God is moving in the hearts we're rejoicing in the goodness of God and the word of God that's been ministered we pray that you will indeed pour out a blessing upon your children Lord that they would Lord reach into those heavenly realms of those blessed promises that you've given us Lord, let us go in the victory of that love divine that has come down in this generation. You said, you have chosen my way. It's the harder way, but it's your way, Lord. We ask that your presence will go before us. Bless your servant as he's poured out. Bless him. And may the word of God become more alive to him, Lord, that he might bless us as we have received your word this evening. Lord, let your presence now go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you're shaking hands to one, with one another. This is Leah. Nice to have you and the family back. Different ones. Jason and Sammy Keene and the children. They're back. Everybody's coming back. You know, September is a, September is a special month.
because everybody that goes away comes back. And when you're gone, you're missed. And when you're home, it's just nice to see you again. God bless you. Shake one another's hands. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.